0: Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode.
1: Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Hi everybody, great to be here again.
2: (laughs) Yes, and welcome everyone to the podcast. In every Toolkit episode we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. It's all about being a professional and uh, making those choices that affect you in your classroom because you're looking for the betterment of your students. We hope to open some doors for you as you make those choices. It's about using the fullness of the Australian curriculum, and uh, my favourite quote at the moment is, great teaching can never be packaged into a program.
1: I love that that's your favourite quote at the moment, because it's your quote. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. Great.
2: Yes. And we've had lots of downloads of um, the podcast, which is fantastic, and lots more people joining the Facebook group. Welcome to Newcomers to the Facebook group, and um, that's where we can chat, chat even more about things. And we love that people are more people are introducing themselves on the facebook group um and um you know having a bit of a community that's developing there that's great yes mm.
1: and I particularly love you know we've got not only is it widespread where um people are from, but we're also um across the year levels, you know, we've got some secondaries Mm. that have joined us. Mm. We've got, um, you know, primaries and preschoolers. And, um, so, you know, it's really a Mm. rich community. And I really love that, um, you know, people are feeling that this is going to be somewhere that they can, not only I know through the podcast, people have been giving us such good feedback about what they're gaining from the podcast and, um, even though we're in the early days of the Facebook group, that I hope that, you know, we can um, open more doors again as we Mm -hmm. often talk about with what we're doing, Um, open more doors for conversation and sharing of -hmm. things that are – that people that are – oh, wow, sorry, everybody, that was a really jumbled sentence – sharing what uh, people are doing in their – you know, in their questioning and wondering, but also what they're trying out in classrooms.
2: Fantastic, and um, we hope in the podcast we give you some special insights into uh, literacy teaching and learning. Um, we want you to um, have practical tools that are really, really help you uh, in what you're doing in your day to day teaching, as well as being grounded in really good research. Um, and. I think time to have a bit of a chatty ramble, Sharon.
1: Oh, always love that bit. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Well, <laughs>
2: should we start with uh, we went out to play bowls the other night. We're not a really sporty family, <laughs> um, but we did go out to a, a bowls night. Well, and um, let's
1: qualify lawn bowls, lawn bowls, not ten pin bowling.
2: Nice. No. So. And um, I think we did pretty well. I mean, we got. Seemed to get better and better as we went along.
1: And yes, but we will say we were fairly widespread on the green. Yes. but <laughs> Not Did you only know- in person, but of course, just, well, we had two, I don't even know what they're called, two lanes, two... Mm.
2: <laughs> but did you, over the evening, feel like you were getting closer and closer to that white ball or not?
1: Well... Let's just say I mm. got so close on one that we had to take a photo of it.
2: Okay. <laughs> but we, we won't put that up on the Facebook group. But
1: no, we won't. No.
2: And also you've been looking at um, your Germanic history.
1: Yes, I have. Actually, that's been such a um, wonderful evening um, activity that whilst my um, brother and sister have done a lot of work for our family history, which I'm just going on the back of now, Um, what I've really loved exploring over the last week is going through, um, so out of the 16 great, great grandparents that we have who all made their way um, by ship to Australia in the 1800s. Sailing ship. Sailing ships. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, just, yeah, it's in the 1800s, isn't it? So that's sailing ships, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, not, not cruise I was, liners. I was just <laughs> looking for something to say, so I just said sailing ships.
1: Okay. Right. Um, so out of the 16, we've got 11 of them. We know which ships they came to Australia on. So I have actually loved looking through the passenger lists for each of those ships um, to just learn more about not only what the uh, captain was writing about what the passage was like for that um journey but also because of course in the 1800s when um south Australia as a very early um, european settlement um, was you know as people were coming to bring different pre- Professions to the state mm. um, it was really interesting to see that mix of um, those who came and what kinds of crafts and mm. um, early skills were required or skills were required for that um, early set up of new new colonies, although I'm always very mindful of the fact that the skills and all of the knowledge already here in South Australia, particularly in this area where we live, the Ghana people, that they really already had everything sorted out Mm. about living in and looking after and nurturing this country that we also now um, are able to call home. I just had
2: a random thought, Sharon. Oh, did you? Go for it. <laughs> what would they do on those sailing ships if someone misbehaved? Would they.
1: I don't know. I haven't found any records of. Yeah, I was just wondering well... you know,
2: would they lock them in their cabin and, um, and uh, you know, just for, not Like it's a bit be- like a behaviour management program. Well, I don't know, like... but
1: that is a really random question, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, all right. So, Sharon… It's um,
1: such a teacher question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, you know, in conversation, yeah. question. Oh, I wonder how they manage bad behaviour. <laughs> have well, you, yeah. ha- have well, you been worrying about that lately? Well,
2: I think I was wondering if it was, uh, you know, time out first and then buddy person second.
1: <laughs> and I then not you, know, but let's And then face you go to it. the captain at the end. Well, let's mm. face it, um, on many of the ship's… You know, bad behaviour was already why they were on the ship.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, and then the ultimate was walking the plank, I think. Uh, anyway. I think, um, I,
1: think that's, <laughs> I think we're talking about another category. Right. That's really bad. Now it? we're into pirates. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. So um, now in classrooms this week or in schools, Sharon, what's, yes. what's been oh, happening? Well,
1: first of all, share your wonderful piece that you're um, – you know, really working towards with your well, I do some moment.
2: music teaching, um, and I'm got receptions to year fours, and we're working towards a music concert at the end of the term um, with our percussion instruments and singing and xylophones. Yeah, so we're all pretty excited about that, and got some well, we're also doing some dancing. So, oh, I
1: yeah. know, and I love all the music that you've been sourcing and mm. thinking about. Thank heavens for
2: Spotify because it's just so fantastic for making up a song list for, um, and then different types of song song lists for different purposes. Well,
1: and how much you can explore through a platform like that, so that you can really explore such a wide range. Not only explore it, but access it. Yes, which we're we're always talking about, you know, in terms of Mm. text for students, Mm. you know, about access. Same music for you Mm. is the text. So, on my morning crazy. walks,
2: I'm constantly listening to new songs and then figuring figuring out what playlist they're going to go into. So, anyway. Lovely. Great tool for teachers. Yes. Spotify. Yeah. And um, I'm not getting any commission on that, so, yep. All right, Sharon, um, going to your story about… I'm
1: just saying, you've got some very random comments this morning. <laughs> um, what have I been up to in the last week? Well, there's… Two things that have been real highlights over the last week. Mm. One is working in with um, a reception teacher, and for us, at the time of recording this, it's early in the big, be- early in the new school year for us. So in this reception class, so that's our four turning five year olds, first year of school, so kindergarten, prep, prep, foundation. Mm-hmm. Called different things mm-hmm. in different places, even within Australia. Um, that these so in we're just going into we've just had week eight of the first in the first term, and these receptions are just so they have been so amazing in getting going with writing. They are ready and are talking about oh, I could make that into a book. So it's not so much that – it's just that they're writing stamina and they're writing um, how they see their writing and that they can add to it from day to day that I could write this and now I could add more to that or I could add another – even if it's a pattern sentence, I can add another piece to that. So I just find that so fabulous when students are in an environment where – Writing, they see the purpose for writing, and so early on, they can say, oh, would I? I think could we make? Could I make that into a book?" Mm. So, Mm. so I just think that's tremendous when
2: building up stamina in writing, building the
1: stamina and Mm. building clear purpose for it. They're so enjoying, Mm. you know, their writing. They see that there is a reason to write. It's not just fulfilling a task, I have to write this, I'm writing something that means something to me Mm. and I'm feeling so very proud of myself that I'm writing something So, and using all of these skills that they're learning, you know, from some already, you know, really working with high frequency words and using those in their writing, others really, well, everybody really going, oh, to write a word. Okay, I listen, I say the word and for every sound I hear in the word, I write a letter or letters. So using that sound knowledge already and letter knowledge, they're just flying as, you know, as little writers who not only are so excited about putting something on the page, but are already thinking about Adding to writing to lift it off that page into creating something even bigger than that. So, Fantastic. just so yep. exciting. And whilst this is also another story out of a reception class on the reading side, <coughs> excuse me, love that a um, reception teacher um, that I'm working in a school with shared with all of the reception year one teachers in the school how she's begun the school year by sending by asking children each day to choose a book from the classroom library choose a picture book from the classroom library that they are taking home and that they would like their parents to read to them so the letter went home mm. to parents at the on the very first day to say for the first four weeks of this school year your child's going to be bringing something home that they would love you to read to them so it's been such a rich experience for parents and children to be having this. Sh- this, um, you know, sitting with a book. The child's made the choice because this teacher has got a tremendous classroom library, that means that children and she's been reading, reads, al- reads, does a read aloud mm. more than once in a day. There's multiple read alouds done. Um, and so children are being introduced to lots of the books that are in the classroom library, so it's very easy for them to make a choice at the end of the day.
2: I was going to say there would be a lot of take-up of the books in the classroom library because so many are being read aloud. aloud. That's wonderful. Yes, yes,
1: and then, of course, children coming back in in the mornings to return the book and sharing with others just in that process of returning books, putting them back into baskets, saying, oh, I love this book, or children talking to each other. Which one did you borrow? Would you like to borrow mine? So there's this wonderful community of Mm. and engagement with that classroom library. Doesn't mean that they can't take books home from the school library as well, but the teachers just found it to be such a magnificent way to – to begin the year within the classroom library that spills into home and is valuing the importance of being read to and a way for parents to really feel engaged in that early, well, to keep valuing Read Aloud and that early reading process and that talking that they're doing about books. So um, that... I love the way them.
2: that um, the, the it brings a community together um, having a classroom library but as well as in conjunction with the read alouds yes and now yeah. you're bringing the, the parents in with the community so yes. that principle of uh, or time' T of together yes is really a key part of the whole Classroom growth. Yes. Uh, yeah. Isn't it? Yes. Growth in literacy. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. So... Your,
2: your children will fly in this approach.
1: Yes. Yep. So, that, they're my two sharings for yep. the week. Thank you.
2: Fantastic. And um, with some leaders, you were talking about standardised testing, Sharon. Oh. Ah, um, yep.
1: Okay. So, yep. as a lead into um, today... Yeah. So, session today, we're calling... From testing to showcasing,
2: I reckon you should trademark that. That's fantastic. From testing to showcasing. to showcasing, wonderful. So, what does that mean, though?
1: All right, are we launching straight into no, that, or no, shall no. I? No, just go back. Go back a <laughs> just step. Just go back yeah. one step. So, yeah. I suppose um, so because it's early in the school year again, um, too, and because it's. In this year 2021 um, in the previous year 2020 in australia our national literacy and numeracy assessments didn't go ahead because of covid so for the first time in many years number of years um this there, there wasn't um well they just didn't go ahead so of course now that this year we are back to – and it's not our only – well, that's our only national assessment. Mm. Um, and each state has some of its own, um, like, state-based tests. Standard. And we're talking – yes, standardised. Yep. Um, like like patar. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. of course, there's others that um, might not be – um, mandated, but schools might be using like a PAT-R assessment or mm. PAT-M mm. in n- numeracy. Um, so with our Be Fearless and Lead leaders, um, we really opened up a conversation and wanted to have on the table again this back you know, thinking about NAPLAN, because as teachers and as leaders, we, we all understand that it is a one day in students' life. It's a snapshot. It's a one-day piece for children. But all of us are always thinking, well, we just want to check in, like, are we doing the best are we preparing them in the best way possible are we are we giving them enough to do that we I mean, we all want our students to be successful
2: yeah so what you know, that's I, our so what are the things we should worry about to you know solve this and what are the things that we don't worry about?
1: Yes, so that was really the opening of the conversation, and we thought that today today's podcast. We'd like to continue that um, that conversation in thinking about. I mean, our struggle really is: we want them to do well. Yeah, yep. But what? Yes. What do we? What do we put time into mm. to help our students be most successful? And what do we not, as you said, what do we not worry about, and what might that look like? Mm. So. I'm not sitting here with like what I think are all the answers about that. I'm mm. really just um thinking that we'll and it's not a grizzle about assessments, it's not an ulcer inducing analysis Cause of it, the assessment.
2: because they're a part of our lives, and um we realise all of us realise that we you know because we one of our timeless teas is transformative tracking. Uh, which means there's all this assessment that you're doing as a teacher every day, um, every day of the year, um, that is really rich assessment and really honed in on what your kids really need and how that's going to change your teaching for the next lesson. But our standardised testing, as you said, is kind of a snapshot. It's just something else, another type of assessment. It's not if you made a big assessment pie of what's the biggest – part of that pie would be your transformative tracking that you're doing in your classroom and just one… And your teaching. And your teaching yeah. and your one, just one small slice of that pie would be the, t- the standardised, standardised tests. tests. That's right. But they're just an integral part of the whole, getting that whole picture of the whole child, isn't
1: it? Yes, yep. yes. Um, and I love that ACARA makes that point. So our um, curriculum, the Australian Curriculum Authority, um, makes that point. That it is only a very small part mm. of a child's assessment data. Yeah, the picture of the in child. In that sense, that mm. picture of the child, and I love that they quite upfront also say. I mean, every teacher, we all would believe this anyway. Mm. Um, that that um, Akara believes that the best preparation for NAPLAN is instruction in the literacy and numeracy content in the Australian curriculum. So So just your normal teaching. the everyday Mm. teaching that we're doing... Not doing anything special. ...in the fullness of the Australian curriculum because the Australian curriculum is really full and rich and the NAPLAN, our literacy um, assessment is a standardised assessment.
2: And other areas, but we're just focusing on literacy. Yes. yes. Yeah.
1: Um, is really looking at, isn't looking at the fullness of the Australian curriculum. It looks at aspects of those things, which is why we've called today from testing to showcasing. Because we think that you can actually construct any of those formal assessments, those standardised assessments, as really an opportunity for students to showcase what they can do from all the wonderful things that they've been experiencing from that fullness of the curriculum. On that standardised test, it's an opportunity for them to just show the very best of what they can do. And
2: by the way, folks, um, when we say standardised testing... Uh, we're talking about any standardised testing that can be done in any country. Yes. Because our children went through some of the U- US standardised testing for a, a number of years. Yes. And that actually happens every year, um, every grade At level. Every year level. From year level, yes. from grade three um, going upwards. But every year level has a standardised test in similar subject areas to s- Australia. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes,
1: And some more. Yep. Um, well, in it depends which state of the US you would be in, um, but yes.
2: But the, what we're talking about today does apply across, you know, because, you know, it is in other countries. It's, when we say NAPLAN, we're saying that's Australia's NAP standardised test. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. So, of course, there will be different, um, you know, we know, you know, from, Ameri- or from um, New York's standardised testing to um, Australia's standardized testing in literacy that there mm. are some different components to that too mm. but we're just really talking in general terms around um standardized testing as in reading usually having a multiple choice component yes and in writing being asked to write on a particular being given a topic to write about yes so there may be other aspects, like I know that, um, you know, in New York our children were asked to write an extended response, so it was in the reading. So they were writing about the reading. In Australia we don't have that as a component. It's it's purely the multiple choice part. Okay. Yep. So so that's just a little um, bit of, mm. yes, well, background information I suppose To we... We recognise that there are different types of assessments. Yeah, um, yeah. But as I said, I'm really just going to talk about that there's that multiple choice component to a reading assessment, which is something that's different for our children than what we would necessarily do on a day-to-day basis, most likely. But, um, but
2: going back to your saying just our, our normal day-to-day teaching yes. is more than enough preparation for um, okay
1: so yeah. so the way that we will talk about it or just something that i want to highlight is that we can sometimes think of the standardized test as being very different to what we would ask students to do on in you know as their normal part of life where in fact i think there's more that's the same about it than different. So by that I mean, so if we're looking at um, a standardised assessment, what is it assessing? So let's say we're looking at a reading one. So what it's assessing is how well we read and comprehend text. Now that's something that, that's what we're chasing down in our teaching on any day is we are helping children to become better readers, to manage text, to be able to fix up when they lose meaning, and to read with accuracy and to read with understanding.
2: Through our explicit mini lesson, and then our practice in that skill that we're trying to um, give them, yes. and then talk lots of talk about it, yeah, to, uh, as well.
1: So, mm. so that, so the reading and comprehension is what's being assessed, that's what I'm teaching. That's what I'm – that's the same. It's an assessment that's teaching – oh, sorry, that's assessing exactly what we're teaching. So I'm thinking, you know, am I doing – in my teaching, am I helping them to grow as readers and in their understanding and accuracy, then I am doing my absolute best then for – for growing them as readers and in writing as writers. Mm. So, um, so reading and comprehending texts is our main game. Then in an assessment, we might be asked to read a range of texts, a range of genres. In any day, that's what I'm also teaching my children to do. I'm teaching them how to read fiction texts, Informational texts, poetry, biographies, um, you know that whole range of um, imaginative texts like some fantasy or some um, mystery or um, family stories or so so my range of reading I want to cover all those types of reading with my students. So that would mean if they're going to experience some of those on an assessment and in our NAPLAN, they are asked to read read a range of different types of texts. So I want to make sure that in preparation, just because in my not preparing for the assessment but preparing them to be successful readers, I want them to experience a full range of texts, different types of texts, So, by doing that, then I'm also, of course, lifting vocabulary across a whole range of topics and subject areas and concepts and ideas. So, that range of texts that I read aloud and bring to children, I'm going to be quite intentional about that.
2: Hence, having a really um, full classroom library of, you know, a range of all those things. Yes. Yep.
1: Yes, and ones that I intentionally will bring to read aloud. Yep. As well, so you know that that we're we're reading aloud all of those types of texts so that we can talk about them and teach through them. So, learning how to read those types of texts through the read aloud and through modelling and explicit teaching that we're doing, so children can tackle more of those kinds of texts for themselves. So,
2: and including shared enlarged text with all eyes on the text.
1: Yes. Yes. Yep. yep. So where we can. that's where we can do our explicit teaching. So Mm. by read aloud, I'm also meaning reading aloud text that is enlarged. Enlarged, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that one in because, yeah. Yeah, good reminder. Yeah. So now in an assessment, we might say, oh, well, this is different. We have to read – they've got to read X number of texts within a time frame. Actually, the time frame piece is about reading stamina. We're – if we are building students reading stamina, we are really helping them be ready for to showcase what you know how much they can read during mm. an assessment. Mm. So if we if we haven't got students able to read for an extended amount of time, then that would be a disadvantage then when they came to an assessment to say, um, I can't read for that long, or I can't sustain my thinking for that long. So that's why we want to build reading stamina. That's why that, that daily independent reading, that daily time mm. to read for, you know, and we know from the research that students who read a lot do really well on standardized tests.
2: So if um, you've build, been building up that. Stamina over the year and independent reading time gets longer as you go and they, the children can focus more on the reading uh, for longer um, because some children, when they come to that standardised test, they really, you know, they they may give up after 15, 20 minutes because they just haven't got the stamp, stamina to keep reading. Is that, that right?
1: Well that would be true but mm. but mm. it's not just the stamina time wise it's the stamina for doing the thinking okay as yeah. i'm reading yeah. isn't it you yeah. know so that if if in a standardized assessment there might be 5 or 6 pieces that i'm reading during that time and different types of genre mm. then i need stamina for mm, what kind of thinking am i doing mm. What do I know about this? What am I bringing to this? And it's becoming a much more automatic process than – because if I'm – if that's my habit, if that's my stamina of Mm. every day, I'm reading every day and thinking about my reading and reading accurately. And
2: talking about that because, you know, we – Yeah, but in – oh,
1: sorry, in an assessment, of course, that's a difference. We can't talk about it. that's right. But building up all of that during the, you know, every day. And the talk's in your head, isn't it? And the talking about it. Of course, the talking about it builds, really helps us to build understanding. So, um, lovely um, example from some teachers uh, as part of the project um, sharing back last week. In fact, a number of teachers shared this back. We talk about, um, you know, that at the end of independent reading time, having a turn and tell where pairs have 60 to 90 seconds each to talk about their reading for that day. Sometimes Mm. there's a focus. Um, Sometimes it's just talk about your reading. Teachers just reported back how powerful that has been Mm. after reading to just have that quick turn and tell time. So it's not discussion time because we want to build in discussion at other times. Um, and by that I mean it doesn't always have to be a turn and tell, but the turn and tell of uh, just having 60 to 90 seconds of uninterrupted talking time to tell about my reading and to tell about my thinking or to tell what I noticed
2: – Seems to
1: work. – adds such power – to students working towards accuracy and understanding. Mm.
2: And might I bring in our Timeless Tea of Thinkers Talking? Yes. Really is what we're talking about here, isn't it? So yeah. those Timeless teas. if you go back to that podcast way back, um, crucial one, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so every episode, what was I saying? I'm lost. Oh, you're lost a bit. <laughs>
2: Okay. Well, we won't talk about bowls and we won't talk about family history, but we will.
1: No. Oh, gosh. No, you're really confusing me. (laughs) Um,
2: But we were talking about the. um,
1: Reading stamina. Reading
2: stamina and. Talking
1: about. And so what we're really mm, building is if we're building automaticity for thinking, accuracy, as we're reading, so understanding yes, and yes. accuracy as we're reading across lots of different genres, then we really come to an assessment, like a standardized assessment, really being able to showcase what we can do as a reader, the thinking that we can bring into this.
2: Mm. And have you been doing it all year with and in the well, test? You- You've
1: Remembering that for us the tests are early in the year. So mm. it might be after oh, that's fourteen weeks of school, which might not seem like a very long time. But this but the is the year
2: before you've been working with another teacher. And, yeah. You know, but mm. what
1: I'm but what we also want to say is these if we want to really chase something down mm. habits and behaviours of of good readers. Early in the year, that's what we're going to spend the first term, the first ten weeks of school. Really, this is something worth chasing down. The habits and behaviors of of good readers, everyday reading, and writers, and thinking about reading, working towards accuracy, chasing down that students are reading books that are just right for them, so that they can do this work and grow. As readers, mm, so we're really...
2: So the mini lessons in your first number of weeks are really based around that, building your habits and behaviours of good readers and writers, isn't it? Yes, yes.
1: Whether we've got standardised tests coming or not, mm, that's what mm, we're really chasing down because they're the things that are going to count when it comes to growing readers.
2: So just an example, Sharon, you'd have a... explicit mini-lesson in one of these habits or behaviours, the kids would then practise that in their Just Right books from their classroom library and then you'd have a… Yeah, think, or
1: the school library or from books from home. And then you'd wherever. have a turn
2: and tell towards the end. I mean, that's just doesn't have to look exactly like that but… Um,
1: that elements. Yeah. So if we talk about mm. that there would be… Um, because reading is a process that we need to… S- it's an in-the-head process. Mm. And so for our students to be able to know how that process works, the explicit teaching is required that a teacher will do, will let students into the thinking that a good reader does yep. by doing that and thinking aloud as they are working with a text. but as So a m- through Read Aloud, mm. through shared reading – so this then leads us into… I was just going to say,
2: as a mini-lesson though, it's not a, you know, then you have the, the students must have the… the yeah, pro, then, the they practice, try it. then they That's try it. That's right. Yeah. So
1: what they've seen yeah. a teacher demonstrate yeah. and think aloud, then it's my opportunity to try that out. And
2: we have a podcast about mini-lessons and so, on, so yeah. forth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this then leads us to one of the differences between… So I've just talked about that reading is an in-the-head process and as a classroom teacher, I am finding out about my students as readers by sitting next to them and seeing and hearing what they're doing as they read. So I'm really having my eyes and ears, especially my ears, on what students are doing, how how they're fixing up as they read, Um, where they're getting caught up on what they're reading, where, how well they're reading, you know, with accuracy and with understanding. They're the things that in the classroom situation, I'm learning about that reader by being with them. In a standardised assessment, for us in Australia, in the NAPLAN, what we find out about what students can do in their reading is through a multiple-choice question. That's the difference. And that's a difference. Okay. So that will often beg the question then. People say, well, then should I do lots of practising with multiple-choice questions?
2: Oh, good question.
1: So, and, and it's, it, you know, in my head that makes sense. You know, that's where, um, you know, that's what they're going to be doing in the test – so is that what we practice? And I remember my first, you know, when we first had standardised testing here where I thought, like, that was my, that was my exact struggle. Is that, is that what's going to help my students be more successful at this? What I have found is that students need to know how multiple choice questions work Mm-hmm. But they also need to know the thinking that needs to be, um, you know, what a good reader is thinking as they look at those questions. So I find that it's still actually something I can model, but I don't need to give lots and lots and lots of practice in doing that. It's more about them knowing what do I do when I come to multiple choice questions? How do they work?
2: So it's being so, cl- clever about it.
1: Yes, yes. So it's really, once again, giving some insights in how mm. I can do well with yep. multiple choice questions. So um, we I'm just going to mention a few of those things that um, can become mini lessons for that. Um and that I can demonstrate these things. And um, this will be a resource, or this is a resource sheet that's um, part I, of a standardised testing pack that's on Teachific for those of you that are... Um,
2: and it'll be in the show notes, the link. Yes. Um, because it's already, already on Teachific, and so yeah. anyone who wants to get that will be able to.
1: Yeah. Mm. So if I so here, here would be some tips for helping students to do their best ...on multiple choice questions. So once again, we're talking about... ...we're just showcasing. We're doing our best on this... ...because these aren't the usual ways... ...that we are um, being asked to think. But in our assessment here, our standardised test... ...this is the way our knowledge is being... ...or our understanding of the text is being captured. So... I'm just going to work through a few of these. So number one, good readers, and all of these have been constructed still by a good reader behaviour. So not just on a test you can do, but good readers would do this. Good readers read the question and all answers carefully. So we might go, well, yes, that makes complete sense. But for our students, when multiple choice questions aren't part of their experience, we can demonstrate how that works. So it's important, we can say, you know, we can demonstrate how it's important to pay attention to specific words in the question and details in the answers. So I can have an example of that and a shared example of that is a really good way to work through that.
2: So, so it, if we've got... text.
1: So it's some enlarged text. So if we've read something and then here is – so I've got some text that we've read and here is um, – Here it is on the here's whiteboard. Here's the question. Yep. Yes. Um, whiteboard, perfect place for it to be mm. because, um, you know, we can access that from different um, – um, like for us, you know, there are practice mm. or past tests that we can use. Um, but then I can open them up to – um. Okay, so I can read the questions. Then I can also teach them. So there's a strategy that um, some of you will have come across or lots of people would already be using. But I could use something like QAR, the Question-Answer Relationship Strategy, which talks about the four types of questions that we can be asked. And those are – there are some that are in the text questions – and there are some that are in the head questions. So in the, te- in the text questions, they are, we know that some answers will be just right there. So it's a right there question and I can just search for the answer will just be right there. Then there are think and search questions. The answer isn't in one place. I have to think and search the answer is going to be in, it's going to come from different parts of the text.
2: I can see why it would be good for children to know that, that that's actually what's happening here. Yes. You know, because otherwise it's a bit of a, you know, it's a mystery, isn't it? Yes, yes. And so this
1: is why we need to know what it is we can model, what kind of Mm. thinking Mm. we can demonstrate. And, of course, this isn't, just for multiple choice questions. This is actually thinking about text. This is actually about um, sometimes we can find out, even if we as the reader are asking ourselves questions, sometimes we'll go, oh, hang on, what what just happened there? What's Oh, mm-hmm. the answer's right there. That's so, what it was.
2: So on this resource you've made up, um, you've got the actual mini-lessons that teachers can go through. Um, so
1: there's there's two parts. There's yeah. a question-answer relationship resource that's yeah. got those four types of questions, yeah. um, and I think that one's separate from the… Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes, on Teachific. On Teachific. It's yeah. separate from this other resource. But there's just eight tips for helping students do their best on multiple-choice questions, and they're all things that we could model. I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time on um, on doing lots of practice with those things as much as I would spend on just opening some ways of thinking. Now, what would I choose from that list? It would depend on what I see my students needing.
2: And also, uh, I would see discussion and talk would be really valuable about yes, these things. Yes, yes. Because you're going to really cover the needs of the children, aren't you, when you get them talking about...
1: That's right, that's right. ...their understanding. Yeah. And so something like the QAR, the question-answer relationship, I can be using that as a strategy outside of... I don't have to link it to a standardised test. I can link that just to everyday thinking Mm. about Mm. text. So how I can even answer my own questions... As I'm reading, because that's a huge comprehension strategy that as a reader, to check in, to read with accuracy, I'm asking myself questions.
2: So then they're used to doing that in their normal lessons. Yes. Um, and then when they come to the test, that they know that this is going to be a powerful yes. thing that they can yes. use.
1: But I, w- I, I want to point out, like, it's not the only strategy, yes. but it is a strategy.
2: It's a repertoire.
1: And so that may be new for some people or it may be – and so that would be – that can expand. As you say, we love using that word. We really hope Mm. that, um, you know, one of our goals is to help build repertoires of strategies and tools and techniques Mm. for teachers so that you can bring more strategies and techniques to your students as well. So QAR is – is a good one to um look to look at for for that, but it's not as I said it's not the only one mm-hmm. um but it is one that does let us think a little bit because on a standardized test there are different types of questions being asked. It's a way for children to be more thoughtful about recognizing what kind of question is being asked. And so, therefore, I can look for information um, more thoughtfully. You know, I don't need to Mm. think that it's just completely random. Just a couple of other things from that multiple choice questions piece is that um, sometimes it will say in the question, choose the best answer. Now, that lets us know that that there's not a perfect fit here. We're just being asked to choose the best.
2: So there's degrees of
1: <laughs> of
2: correctness. Correctness,
1: yes. So out of these, so we can see that the question being asked there isn't a. It's going to be necessarily. Um, it's not a right there in the text question. It's now asking you to make a judgment about that. So just tuning them into some of this language. Mm-hmm can be useful. Um, And if questions begin with or have within them, you know, an always or never, those questions are are often ones that we can delete. They're very infrequently, unless, of course, it says in the text, always or never, or, you know, Mm. that um, kind of language. But if... It's not in the text, but in the question, it's an always or never type question. Um, sorry, in the answers, it's always or never. They're very rarely ones that we can um, say are are ones that, you know, we'd keep there. Because generally, we'd look through the questions and there's usually two that we can, we can go straight away. No, it's not that one. No, mean it's that, not that the one. Answers? Oh, sorry. Yes, I'm getting – I hope I haven't been confusing about that. No, that's fine. Great. Um, Yes, in the answers, out Mm. of four, there's usually a couple that we can, Mm. you know, pretty quickly – Discount. Yeah, say, yeah, it's not those. Mm. And then it's down to, oh, it's either this one or that one. That's when we want our – you know, we want to be able to discount a couple and then go, okay, out of these – which is the one? So it's not if uh,
2: you're not getting this, you just go for the answer C. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that is the other strategy, isn't it? You know, oh, well, I have I've definitely heard that I've heard as that. a strategy. Yeah, but you know what we do say is we just we just find we just do our best. We we choose what we make the most informed decision that we yes, can. Yes. So. Whether I no, I wouldn't say just go for C. No. I I want this is like with reading. We want to we want to work out the best that we can.
2: It's okay. I was just misbehaving there, Sharon. No.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway, um, um, what about right, so what about uh, timing of this? You know, you've got NAPLAN or standardized testing coming up. Do some of this a few weeks before. What would you do? The
1: question, the questioning part.
2: Yeah, the multiple, you know, understanding multiple Multiple choice choice questions.
1: What I would be thinking is the the multiple choice part, I wouldn't be doing that very much before, um, you know, looking specifically at multiple choice questions. I wouldn't be doing that a lot before the assessment date. But what I would be doing from the beginning of the year is... Really thinking about what am I, what am I doing, what are the explicit lessons I'm teaching about helping children to think, yes, about their reading, mm. to really get them using text for evidence, yeah, and that will be another piece um, that's in that, mm. or is another piece in that standardized pack of. Good readers find specific information in texts.
2: Okay, so this is in on the Teach of Excite as well, this, yes. this piece.
1: So mm. if we want to support, so at any time, standardised test or not, mm. I really want to support good reader thinking and discussion yep. in class. Mm-hmm. So I I'm doing that early. I'm doing that from the beginning. Mm. I'm building that in mm. as soon as I can because they are good reader habits and behaviours that I can absolutely build on all of that then when it comes to talking more about um, multiple choice questions. I've got a whole lot of stuff that I can reference and go back to that my students are already doing and undertaking
2: and so the multiple choice thing would be just a minor thing towards yeah closer to the test so
1: so they're going to be drawing on all of the thinking and talking and ways all those strategies we've already been exploring and practicing just in our everyday reading how do we then use all of that knowledge to help us with multiple choice questions so mm. it doesn't need.
2: If you do it that way around, it's yeah. much stronger. Yeah. And just trying to focus on how to be really good at multiple choice.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I can do. They will be better at multiple choice if they've had all of this other, you know,
2: hence all of these other. A good reason to, to them. grab those resources off the Teachific of site because that they will really help you.
1: Yes, so there's some, um, so there is this one, you know, some prompts for um, teaching student, good readers, you know, how to find specific information in text. We can get them using, so when they're talking about text, to not just say, tell about the story, but we might, or tell about the text, we might start introducing some things like um, describe and explain what was happening, using words, phrases and expressions from the text, tell about, so if we're using – because we want them to keep – we don't want talk just to be, oh, I liked this book because um, it had a character in it, like a person that I know and like Mm. we actually want them – To use the – We want them – To deepen their understanding of text through all of the comprehension strategies, you know, through Mm – we've already talked about questioning and I'll actually reiterate that, that questioning as a strategy is what good readers are doing. They are questioning. That's what helps them read with accuracy, asking questions as they're reading of themselves. Yes. Um, So, questioning – predicting, um, inferring. You know, that inferring, we need, what is it? What does that, how do I make good inferences? And in the question-answer relationships, the author and you questions is really a lot about inferencing. So how do I do that? How do I bring my background knowledge and my experiences and what the author is saying to work this out. So the types of thinking that we're doing, we can also expand into this using evidence from the text as well. Um, what um, Explain how the author... That's just a prompt for, you know, we can finish that off. Explain how the author did this or built this or created this. Anyway, so they are... Some great um, discussion prompt questions mm, mm. Um, and comprehension. You know, thinking about texts that we can be doing right from early on in the year.
2: And I suppose if you the the children are doing writing using some of those things the author is doing, um, that's a, that's a powerful thing as well. You know, then you've got the relationship between the read their reading and their writing. Yes, yes, um, and and yeah. that
1: piece that we. Um, reading as a writer. Reading mm. like a writer, mm. um, that, that without a doubt um, builds much stronger yep. writing. Now we didn't even… And reading. And reading, at yeah. reading yes. Um, just before I move on to this other piece, um, the same and different for mm. the writing aspect, it's that same thing. Writing, so we might say oh but in a in a standardised test, um there's so many things that are different well if If we have a look at what does the writing aspect ask us to do, well, it might ask us to write in a specific genre. There are times when children when our students we're asking them to write in a in a specific genre to help them understand how that specific genre works and to choose it to learn how to choose it because they're learning about the purpose for what that type of genre what are the features what it what's its purpose what does it do here so exploring a genre isn't isn't a new thing in a test it's actually we're being given a genre to write this is our chance to showcase. Mm. This is the chance. That's why we want to be able to write in lots of different ways, in lots of different genres and not only ever in the one structure of it. Or, the one, write
2: or the one way of doing that structure too. Yes. We'll come, a, yes. come to that later. Yeah. Well, mm.
1: actually we won't cover it today but no. in um, Another podcast. future podcasts we certainly mm. have got that on the agenda. Now, they're going to be writing within a time frame. There's writing stamina again, like reading stamina. So to write within that particular time is I'm showcasing. Let me show what I can do during this time. Using the writing process, I think this is something that I missed in the first year of me doing this with... um, student with my own class as a standardized test where I hadn't really um, got them thinking enough about so planning and editing as part of the writing process in most standardized tests are built into there is time given certainly for planning mm. so I want to have some good mini lessons on different ways for planning
2: a variety of ways. A
1: variety of ways for planning, mm. not just for the assessment, for any time, for mm. my my any day, te- my, any, my any day, um, any week.
2: Mm. And quick writes are a good way to do that as a rehearsal. Uh,
1: yes, but there yeah. are planning, um, oh, yes. you yep. know, webbing mm. and, yep. um, um, you know, plotting, you know, there are there are some nice planning um and not all planning not all ways of planning work for every child so that's mm. why it's important for children to be exposed to a range of planning techniques yep. so that for for example um sarah in my year 6 class many years ago the only planning way we could really get working for her Mm. in the initial stages was for her to write a list of words that had to do with what she wanted to write about. And that list of words then gave her, so I remember it was about, it was all about her guinea pig. (laughs) She just got this guinea pig. She just wrote the list of words around the guinea pig Mm. And that gave her then a structure to work with. So she looked at that and then she grouped them. She said, okay, all of these words have to do with when I got it. These have to do with looking after it. These have to do with, you know, my ongoing costs for having the guinea pig. So, you know, children mm. need different ways. Not There isn't one planning tool that will work for all students. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a tool. It can be a technique. But we, we do need to bring these. These are mini lessons that we want to be bringing mm. into. Mm. So the writing process, um, so on that day, if we're writing a piece, we're usually given planning time. If my planning strategy has always been talk with somebody else before I start writing that can't happen on that day. So I have to have some other planning strategies. So I need a range.
2: Sounds like a podcast to me. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if people, yes, if they can feedback, if that's something that, um, yeah, that I'd love to talk about that because there are a number of planning strategies. I, look, Pete, you've got, I know lots of you have got lots of those out there already. And sometimes I feel like I'm on a, um phil I'm sure you'll you'd get me off my soapbox sooner if you mm. thought I needed to, but um that that piece this range of we I just know for myself I had to open up a real range of planning strategies mm. Mm. um because one or two just isn't enough Well I
2: think teachers would love to have um a look at the range of types of or even you know. We could come up with some and um, people could write in with some. Yes, Um, yeah. um,
1: So as part of that, sorry if I just – because I'm aware of time. um, Mm. So the writing process, you know, I would also want to build in that students use some of their time to actually read through and do a little bit of an edit before finishing it off. So – These would be included in – and so there is one other resource that is part of this little pack, um, and that's called Top 10 Suggestions for Embedding Test-Taking Skills into – one is for the writing program and one is for your reading program. So whilst these things – there's a lot of what these lists really do, there's 10 top 10 suggestions – for each of them, but what these are doing are constructing the things that we can take into and we can showcase in an assessment how these are just part of what we do as readers and writers in any day of our reading, pro- reading or writing program.
2: So is it sometimes ma- making – I know it's embedded in what you're doing, but – do you sometimes make it explicit to the children that these things do connect with what they're going to do in the net plan?
1: Yes, I, mm. I can. So how we've been talking here about using, let's say using the writing process,
2: mm.
1: I want to have mini lessons on planning and I want to build in mini lessons on editing and I want to say that they are... That's, they are good writer strategies that we're using with any of the writing that we're doing. Closer to the assessment, I might, we might remind people about, right, you're going to have some planning time for this writing.
2: In your standardised in test. In your
1: standardised test. So which strategy might work best for you?
2: Because you've been using them over the year. Yes, Yes. and
1: if I've had the strategy where I'm talking with someone beforehand, I I can make that explicit Mm. that that's actually a strategy you can't use in this assessment. So what would be the most, and you're going to be given 10 minutes to plan, so what will Mm. be your best planning strategy?
2: Now I can see uh, we're talking to individual teachers here, Sharon, or groups of teachers, but... Uh, there might even be a school strategy out of this you know a whole school strategy in how we're all going to you know do this as a school you know as teachers we're going to um, have these approaches and then your whole school will will be empowered to because yeah. the, it's the, so this- if the children are coming from a teacher from the previous year that's been doing similar approaches and goes to this year with they're going to have a whole You know, 12 months before that uh, standardised test, I'm thinking.
1: Yes, yes. Well, and in Australia, of course, it's two years between um, Mm. assessments. That's true. So, So what these top 10 sheets have really been designed for, they are for teachers, but I also created them with schools in mind. Okay. So that when a school has, as part of their literacy handbook, there most schools will have a nap. Well, in Australia, will have a naplan component. Mm. You know, of what we do in our school. This is what we do to prepare or um, have um, students. Thinking about, or teachers thinking about NAPLAN, that these two um, resource sheets were really there for include for possible inclusion. I'm not saying just whole bowlers like that necessarily, but mm. I think Adapt it's them. about mm. giving some ideas into what we can what we can do to help our students showcase rather than feel that they are being tested mm. on that day. So let me just – can I just give a few examples here? Mm. So um, I'll go with the writing one because I've spoken less about writing than I have about reading. Um, the first one, read aloud and discussion. So listen to a fluent adult read aloud a variety of imaginative, informative and poetic texts to understand the audience, purpose, language use and features of a variety of texts. I haven't even got vocab in there. Didn't even like that's another one that, you know, should be in there. Because listening to, you think of all of that through Read Aloud, all of that knowledge and language and vocabulary that you are hearing and building. How is that going to help you as a writer? There's a whole lot of things that you're taking into um, writing with you from from Read Aloud. Student independent writing. So involves students in daily independent writing of text for a variety of purposes. So we talked about that already as you know, writing stamina and writing for, you know, in lots of different genres. Mm. Now, there are some mini-lessons here. Oh, sorry, just back one. Student independent writing. Provide some opportunities for timed writing. So quick writing as a strategy, and my goodness, the project schools we're working with that, quick writes are such a powerful tool for students to catch thinking and not be... Overthinking and giving them lots of opportunities to try lots of different things in a short timed write mm. so th- so quick writes for lots of different purposes for reflection, for writing like a writer, for creating um, types of sentences we've been working on or to for many different things, for um, Giselle talked about, she uses quick writes for vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So let's use this word. Explore this word. How can we use it in in a piece, etc. Then, mini lessons teach students how to revise their own writing within time limits. So I always used my quick writes as a way to, after doing a quick write, not after every quick write. Okay, now I'm going to give you two minutes, Reread it and revise. Mm. What do you want to improve? What do you want to – so practising those things. Um, but all of these things are being practised and embedded within things I would do in my any day.
2: Now, I know you're on a roll here, Sharon, <laughs> but I think we might have to wind up. Um Okay. But my last question to you is would you be fairly open talking about why the children are doing these things in relation to how it's going to help them in their standardised tests?
1: I would definitely want to bring to them what they're being asked to do, what they're being asked to showcase Mm. in this um, assessment. And yes, I would want to keep referring to what good readers and writers mm. will do to be successful.
2: All right. Now, um, also, I, I think um, everybody, the, the resources that Sharon's been reading out to you, they're all on that Teachific site and uh, you can go there to get those. Um, Sharon, um, we're going to the questions. Question
1: No. Well, I feel like I'm in an interview. You are. Question
2: two, um, good tools that you've been using. Now, I guess those are the ones you've been mentioning.
1: Well, I ha- I have. There is one further um, tool on Teachific that is… Um, Just been put up. Uh, that's part of… Um, mm. So, you'll find all of these in um, on Teachific in our assessment… Category. …category… Um we've called this
2: Natplan. Natplan. I've i I've actually called it Natlan Padar.
1: Right. And
2: then there's another one with QAR. So these are subcategories.
1: Um sorry, so you've got QAR as a subcategory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's not really an assessment. Okay. It should go under the We'll change that, folks. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's just all under NAPLAN. Okay. Um, but QAR will also fall under comprehension.
2: Okay. Sorry. So
1: within reading, yep. it will go under comprehension. Right. Sorry about that, everybody. Just, just a little second. technical <laughs> piece going on here. Yeah. Don't mind us. Of... We're,
2: we're thinking through our websites <laughs> yeah. here. Um,
1: um, well, and thinking through it purposefully because we want these, this these sites to work for you, you mm. know, to be able to find... Where they belong, yeah. um, you know, where it makes sense. Because
2: there are main categories like reading, writing, assessment, etc. But within each of those main categories, there are subcategories, and we're trying to make it so that you can find things. Now, if you can't find something through that way of searching, there is another tool on the left-hand side under resource types. It says find resource or something, and you just type in any. Keyword in there, and it'll find all this. All Hopefully,
1: the, we're still all the resources yeah. that have
2: got that keyword in their title. Okay, right. Okay, all right.
1: um. All right. So there are um, two flip charts. so by a flip chart, I'm, um, and that's actually a category that we've got on there. I think. Oh God, here we are. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah. Sorry everybody. I'll just talk about so yeah. Flip Chart is yeah. an A three. So I enlarge to A three. Yep. Yeah. Um and it's a collection of so what I've got is it's called Reading Comprehension, Prompts to Teach Readers How to Find Specific Information in Text. Now I already talked about that as a resource earlier on, and you've got a single page of that in um pack, But in the flip chart, these are now, if you enlarge it to A3, you've now got a whole chart of all of these prompts, one on each page, that you can bring to students for their turn and tell or for their writing about. Um, So that's another resource that's up there. There's a a 3-4, so you can... Geared to year three, four, and one for five, year five, six. Um, they are the same prompts, but um, different fonts, just so that it's um, you know year after year. If students are seeing them one year, you know it's looking you know it's looking a little more sophisticated in those upper years. So that's um, a um, another resource that I've been using and. Um, teachers in the project have also been using. So um, that's looking at, um, as I said, prompting student uh, readers how to find specific information in text, which is an any time of year thing.
2: Now, just uh, going on to our categories again, we will, we have a category there called classroom tools and we will we'll have flip charts in that as, as a subcategory. So people can go for any flip chart that's on the Teachific site by going to Classroom Tools. Okay. Anyway, Great. sorry about the confusion there. Yeah. Um, question three, <laughs> what's a tantalising text that you've been looking at in the classroom, Sharon?
1: Right, so once again, um, from the this is something that stemmed from the project schools. So just wonderfully, we've um, been able to, as part of the project, um, bring a whole lot of text or each school um, to them as additions to their classroom libraries. And in the collection this year, um, I selected four. um, So these are books aimed at at 10 to 14-year-olds. And they are two books by the author Cornelia Funk, who has um, written a number of books. Another one of hers is Inkheart. These two books are called Dragon Rider, and the f- another in the series for the Dragon Rider one is called The Griffin's Feather. They're both fantasy texts, and um, dense in chapters. So, um, fifty-seven chapters or so um, in these in both of these texts with some wonderful features so the griffin's feather feature that i absolutely love in this book is not only are there tremendous chapter headings or chapter titles but beneath each chapter heading is a quote from another text or um a famous um somebody um and so I just think this brings such richness and depth to the reading experience for students because not only have we got these these wonderful stories of friendship and fantasy and quests, um, but we've got these other layers of bringing in, through these quotes, history and people who have lived post this time but how they've connected what somebody has said um you know not in the time of you know these fa- you know fantastical type quests but from today you know a somebody and making that connection between mm. somebody's words of wisdom yeah now And these texts, anyway, I find them, um, Cornelia is um, a German writer, so these have been translated from the German exquisite language. And one of the other things that I just want to mention, um, because it's not just these books that are great examples of this, but um, dense chapter books where we've got lots of um, chapters, I love to bring the chapter headings two students and have those as a list.
2: On the whiteboard?
1: So uh, On a chart. Or chart, yeah. Um, it's Yeah, it's nice to anchor them. These, um, I think the first of the two books, I'm sorry, I'm not sitting with them in front of me, um, uh, has a map in it, so I would also bring them, you know, I'd enlarge that map um, and have that on show as we were reading through because it's referencing some known places but then also fantastical places as well so um, the idea of being able to reference that map i always find really useful and Mm -hmm. engaging for Mm -hmm. students but to start bringing chapter headings and to list those Mm -hmm. are also another wonderful way of having our having students you know, thinking back into chapters and what happened at that time, that kind of nice prompts for, um, yes, that's what happened in that chapter or to have a chapter heading or two in advance or to leave the end of one chapter with and the next chapter the heading is Mm. to have our students forward thinking and to Mm. be predicting further into or to – you know, do the wondering of, oh my goodness, is this the is this a turning point? Is this the um is this you know, will this be as it says or is this going to be unexpected? Is this going to be just to do that wondering thinking because authors, as Mem Fox reminded us in her um podcast, she talked about you know, authors make really intentional decisions about the words that they use and what they put on that page in picture books and in long texts. So chapter headings are intentional. Chapter headings, and I think once we bring chapter headings to children, it gives them so much more power in thinking about how they work, how they can use them, Mm,
2: and not just
1: chapter headings for fiction – how do headings work when i 'm writing something informational? Mm. so I think that 's anyway these two books yep. are yep. you know lovely ways to bring that feature through um, as well haven 't even talked about the stories, but I can tell you they're a great read yes, great fantastic
2: read. all right um, and just going back to the flip charts again, Sharon, I just wanted to mention that you find them i don 't know if we mentioned that. Find them as a great tool in themselves to for a teacher to go quickly go back to a mini lesson or go forward to one. Um,
1: oh, you can pull from anywhere in a flip chart. Yeah, yeah, there is no order to what you use, but they are so. Um, we'll often talk about um, having anchor charts in the room, like mm. a good reader or good writer anchor chart. Yeah. These are kind of like my anchor teaching tool in a sense. Mm. So if I've got – so I'm sitting here with my anchor chart oh, – or sorry, my flip chart mm. um, I've so as a three and I've got a skirt hanger <laughs> as <laughs> holding, um, it. holding mm. it together because mm. it gives me a nice hook to mm. then have these as a collection in class. So if I've got – and we've created a number of flip charts mm. – um, There's other reading strategies. Mm. There's um, fix up strategies. So it actually means that at any time I can think, oh, yes, what, you know, what strategy that that they're a good reminder. I always have a um, sort of like a contents list of what all the strategies are where I can think, you know, Mm. for my mini lesson, this is what. What is it that I need? So it's really about the what we can teach.
2: Yeah, yeah. I can see – I could use it for music lessons, that, the same idea. I think, it, folks, this is a great Sharon piece of gold, this <laughs> flip chart idea. Take it away, try it, and you'll never look back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. That sounded slightly flippant there. <laughs> no, no, no.
2: I'm just being – um I've seen you use them and I think they're just a fantastic idea so.
1: Yes. And there is actually one other feature I've um started including on some of them and that's just in the um top right-hand corner mm. I've just got a little box where just for my own reference it's a box where I'll put the date in and mm. say okay I did a lesson on this so it helps me keep a little track Okay. Of the kinds of things that I'm, um, I'm doing with students, the min if I've done it as a mini lesson, mm. and I might need to. I'm not saying I, you know, I've put in the date, done that now. I might need to go back to that, but it gives me a little record of mm. wow, we did. I I did that mini lesson three or four times. And yes, I absolutely see what mm. we achieved so in from fact, that.
2: In fact, the charts are helping you be explicit in your teaching, and also systematic. Yes, because yes. you're you're being you're making sure you're covering the Australian curriculum, and you are uh, checking off those things, those mini lessons as you do them. Yes, yep.
1: but also knowing that there is more than enough. You wouldn't have to be doing every one of those things if that's not what your students needed. Uh, of course. Yes. Of course, yeah. But but it's there to the prompts for you, you know, the the mm. yes, I can see we've we need some fix-up strategy. So for small group work, mm. if I need to do some work with a small group because I can see they haven't got this yet, I can do that and in there I'd just say small group in that little mm. record box, small group on this date, oh, that's you know, good. we did yeah. we did this. So it does mean that my flip chart might be, you know, I might need a new one each year if I've got lots of recording yeah, in there. Yeah. But, great record. But it, it's such a great record. It's such a great, if I've sort of got a little collection of flip charts that I'm drawing on, you know, I know that I've got – for for and look, they're mostly related to reading yeah. and thinking and talking about at the moment. The writing ones are coming. The writing ones right. will be on their way.
2: Right. So you're recording your teaching. Yes. But um, we might have to finish there, Sharon.
1: Yes. Yes, a, I know. We've gone through all questions. We've gone, gone a, back to questions. We've gone a little bit over today. <laughs> and we've rambled um, a little. We've
2: rambled. But yeah. – um, Thanks for staying with us if you've stayed the course. <laughs> and please get in touch with us on our website, our Q Learning website, or join the, the Toolkit uh, Facebook group. Um, listen to the Teachers Toolkit podcast on your favorite p- platform. And please join us again next time. Oh, my word for teacher in another language today is Norwegian. And I am saying Aladeth which is a Norwegian word for teacher. But um, I hope I said that correctly. (laughs) Okay, thanks very much, everyone, for being with us. And thank you, Sharon.
1: Thanks, everybody. Always great to be with you. Catch you next time.
2: Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q-Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower, and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.